are listening to the Husker Performance Podcast, presented by Midwest Dairy and your local farm families. Here is your host, Jessica Cootie. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into another installment of our Husker Performance Podcast presented by Midwest Dairy. We continue our conversations exploring all the ways that the different branches within the athletics department help the student-athletes here at Nebraska reach their full potential as a student-athlete and all the things that go into it. And there are a lot of different areas. And one area that we've heard brought up a lot with different coaches, but we don't know actually a lot about, we haven't explored as much, is the NAPL, so the Nebraska Athletic Performance Lab. So we're going to dive into that today. We're going to hear from head coach John Cook with Nebraska Volleyball coming up here in just a little bit. But we're going to start our conversation with the director of NAPL, Matt Tomey. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks we've, for having me on. We've been uh, trying to set up this conversation because, I, I mean, we've had some questions. People want to know a little bit more about it. I myself was just sitting here picking your brain about it. <laughs> so I think it'll be fascinating for people to hear exactly what you guys do. So thanks again. I know you guys are busy. Yes, yes, very busy. But, but yeah, you're right. It'll be, it'll be fun to kind of chat about it a little bit. And I know everybody has a question about what sports science is, and that can look a lot of different ways. So it'll be fun to chat about it a little bit. Okay, so let's just start at the simplest form. If people were to ask NAPL, the Nebraska Athletic Performance Lab, how would you describe it? What would be your, your simplest definition of what it is? Well, it's, it's really, so the lab is one thing and our, our department or staff is kind of, could be defined in another way, right? So the, the lab is an in-house sports science lab that was the first sports science lab ever built in a college athletics facility. Um, in terms of sports science, that is very broadly really the application of scientific principles to improve sports performance. Now, that's pretty broad, so we can kind of <laughs> go into, into some more detail on that too. But Yeah, and I mean, I've mentioned it a lot. I mean, Coach Hoiber came in here and said when the team was struggling with free throws, they took them up there. I know Coach Cook has talked about taking his new athletes up there every time, and, they, and you guys measure the athletes as they go along. And we'll dive into all of that, but I just I kind of wanted to start from your background, how you even got into this in the first place, because it isn't necessarily something that you hear a lot of people pursuing this type of career path. Right, right. And it's, you know, sports science in the applied setting, you know, aside from research, is still a very young field, especially in the United States. So it's constantly evolving. Um, you have people from a lot of different backgrounds, but I started out in terms of um, education with my master's in exercise physiology. And while I was working on that master's degree, I was uh, a strength and conditioning coach at a private facility working at the, at the university that I was, I was going to at the same time, you know, volunteering. Um, and I was a high school wrestling coach at that time as well. Um, so I really started out in the strength and conditioning field. After I got my master's, I went on to be an assistant strength and conditioning coach um, at the University of Richmond in Virginia. Um, and there was probably, I'd say, my first introduction to sports science. Um, and it's very far removed. I mean, now that was 12 years ago. Um, so we were doing some different things that were probably unique at the time. But at that time, sports science really wasn't a thing in terms of, you know, in, in college athletics. It was really a lot of strength and conditioning coaches or other support staff, maybe athletic trainers, applying some different scientific principles to understand more about their athletes. For us, it was 
How are they adapting to training? Are they getting better? Um, what are they doing in practice? How can we quantify that? And then uh, how are they responding? Are they fatigued? Can they do more? Do we need to pull back? All of those sorts of things. So that's really where my background started. And then it kind of, I, I went on to, to become the director of strength and conditioning at Michigan Tech for a while. I was also a, a lecturer in the kinesiology department there. Um, so I, I taught some classes related to strength and conditioning. Um, and throughout my career as a strength coach, I was functioning as a sports scientist as well. So it's kind of, again, how do you define that? It's, you know, we were using some different assessments and things to, to again, determine what, what methods in terms of strength and conditioning could work best for that specific athlete. What do they need? What are their strengths? What can we develop throughout this off season? And then to check to see, well, are we getting better at those things, yeah. right? Um, then, just prior to here, I had a, a pretty unique opportunity to uh, do a PhD in kind of an embedded scenario. So now, with sports science being an applied field, you're starting to see more of what's called an embedded PhD or an industry embedded PhD. So rather than being, I guess, in a lab and thinking we're just a scientist, you know, trying to, <laughs> trying to think. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, this was actually working with elite sprinters that were training for the Tokyo Olympics mm. at the time. Um, so it was at a facility in Phoenix, Arizona. And I was working there as a sports scientist and a strength and conditioning coach. And uh, at the same time, working on my PhD at a university um, in Perth, Australia, Edith Cowan University. Um, and it was kind of interesting because you, you have these two, in sports science, we say there are kind of two components. There's the fast and the slow sports science. Right, so the slow sport—it's it, pretty self-explanatory, right? But the slow sport scientists, our slow sport science is really the research, um, which is something that I was doing, um, and still I'm kind of publishing some of that research. And then the fast is really that daily feedback that we're providing to the athletes and coaches, so they can, whether it's adapt their training or better tailor what they're doing to that athlete, and at that time to to develop them or prepare them for, uh, hopefully, an Olympic medal. Right, so that was a really unique scenario, and then I came from there um, to to here to the University of Nebraska, where uh, Chris Bach, our previous director, hired me on as a senior applied sports scientist. And then um, after he left, I, I moved into the uh, the director role. Awesome. The um, we get a lot of questions about this. The chips that you see sometimes, the straps that you're seeing. Oh, are you guys wearing. responsible for that? Yes, we are. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because like you'll see a lot of the athletes maybe when they take their pads off, football, any sport, yeah. they have these straps on, and then there's a little chips in it, and you that's you guys' department. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. All of sports science, again, kind of starting a little bit more broadly and kind of working down to that specific application, the, all of sports science starts with a question or a problem. And in this case, and it's similar to research, right? You have a research question and you test your hypothesis. It just kind of works a little bit differently because whereas research is, is fine with, say, publish the results and saying more research needs to be done, well, we have to have some kind of a solution or some, some kind of a application to that. And how are we going to use this information? So in that case, one of, one of the things that we want to know about athletes is how much work are they doing in a practice or a game? 
and how does that change over time? Mm. So for us, we yeah we use some GPS um, or really some different it's inertial data I guess it <laughs> it tracks tracks all running movements. Um, you can think about things like maybe people are more familiar with heart rate zones, right? Lower intensity and higher intensity activity, um, which we can track heart rate as well, but this is more lower intensity and higher intensity actual maybe movements on the field, on the court, um, wherever. So we can really quantify the load on that athlete's body so then we know Okay, we know what maybe a competition looks like for that athlete. This is what a game typically looks like in terms of a load for this position group. Well, we need to make sure that through practices and through the preseason, we're gradually building up to that load um, while still having some time to maybe recover. So having some lower load, having some fluctuation and avoiding large spikes where we might be more susceptible to, to injury. So yeah, we're, we're using that type of technology um, all the time. Okay, so um, how cutting edge is what is in place here at Nebraska compared to other colleges? Are there a lot of facilities like this? Coach Hoiberg, again, I keep mentioning him because he's, he's one that's brought it up a lot and, and sparked my interest in this. But he said his son now is working for an NBA team that they're installing a performance lab and they have come to take away from some of the things that are in place here. And so mm -hmm. is that pretty cutting edge what you guys have in place here at Nebraska collegiately and I guess professionally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the NAPL was actually first built in 2013 and it's it is really interesting. It's still a cutting edge facility and uh, that's telling with yes, the teams from the NBA, from Major League Baseball, from the NFL, the Olympic and Paralympic Committee, all groups from all of these organizations either talk to us about what we're doing or come visit the lab oftentimes to see, hey, what has worked well for, for you and um, how can we replicate something similar to this? And every time they walk in, they're in awe of, wow, this is amazing that you have this. And Or I'll hear, um, you know, visiting teams, sports science maybe we'll chat and we'll kind of show them the lab and they'll say yeah we have something like this but not not really even close <laughs> and and so it's still it's still very very unique um, and not only that but not only the facility itself but the staff we have five mm -hmm. full-time sports scientists and a sports analyst as well that work for us so our ability to reach as many student athletes as we can um, is much greater than most universities don't have a single sports scientist you know you'll have kind of similar to what I was doing early on in my career you'll have the strength coach trying to function on the side as right. you know collecting some sports science data whereas having you know having a dedicated sports science team um, is still unique let alone um, having Full, five full-time sports scientists. Wow. You know, another thing, too, is I'll talk to recruits, all sports, and I know a lot of sports will take their recruits up to see you guys, talk to you guys, and that's something that they'll bring up and what they liked about Nebraska. And so, and, and again, I'm probably, part of it is that it's different and it's not offered everywhere when they're going to all right. these trips. So when you talk to these pr prospective student-athletes, what do you tell them, I guess, in terms of 
hey, this is something that we could potentially do for you when you come here and be a student athlete at Nebraska? Yeah, we, we, what we try to do is educate them on the process because, mm -hmm. again, like we kind of talked about in the beginning, that what sports science is is sometimes a foreign concept to, to people or they maybe have used some of it, but in terms of uh, what that actually means to them and how that's going to, how is that going to improve their performance or reduce their likelihood of, of sustaining an injury. So we try to explain that to them along with specific examples of how we use that. So like I mentioned earlier, it all kind of starts with a question or a problem. Well, that question or problem comes from really any of the other performance team members. So strength and conditioning, athletic training, the sport coaches, nutrition, psychology. We're talking and we're working with those groups in terms of what are their needs and what do they need to see. So for example, strength and conditioning, right? We want to, we want to do some kind of performance profiling assessments related to that sport so that then we can provide that information to the strength and conditioning coach and they can tailor their programming to that athlete's needs, right? Similarly with athletic training, it might be, okay, Let's, let's talk to the athletic training staff on this team and see what, what are some of your most common injuries that you're, you're sustaining. Are there anything, is there anything that we can look at in terms of maybe predictors of that injury or things that could lead to that injury that we can assess and then again, those things, maybe it's range of motion or general movement that could be um, trained in order to reduce the likelihood of that. And then, you know, on the flip side, unfortunately, we're, we're, we're going to see injuries, mm -hmm. um, but we also do a lot of work with return to play as well. So how can we add, in, in every situation, it's how can we add more information to the process, um, you know, more context or paint a clearer picture surrounding what that problem is. Um, we like to say data, we're data informed. It's a data informed process rather than data driven. Mm -hmm. So in all of these scenarios, we're not using the data to replace the expertise of the coach in their experience or the intuition or expertise of any of the performance team members. We're just putting that information in their hands, helping them interpret that and use that and apply that in their system. Wow. Um, so we're going to hear from Coach Cook and he kind of dives into a little bit what you guys do for volleyball. But And I had mentioned Coach Hoiberg and brought his guys up there when the free throws were going we're not going down and you guys were monitoring some of that. Can you maybe dive into some of that and what are some of those specific things that when they go up to the lab, what you guys do and, and even just, you know, any sport that could maybe trigger what people, if they've watched a sport, what you, what it might help them paint the picture of when an athlete goes up there to your lab. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good question. And, and the, First, a lot, a lot of our time is actually outside of the lab, too. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of the things that I mentioned, we might be in the weight rooms or at practices and things like that because really, again, kind of going back to if we're just a sports scientist in a lab or behind a computer, we really become, you become detached from the actual sport and the performance itself. And we're here as an applied sports science department. So being out there and, and around is, is important to us. Um, but we have this amazing facility where we can take those deep dives into different problems and really go as deep as we want to go. Um, so one, one of the large features, I guess, of that performance lab is our biomechanical analysis and our ability to, to essentially evaluate movement 
you know, in any any way, any form, right? So it could be a sport-specific movement. It could be maybe some general different types of jumps or sprints or changes of direction um, in a return-to-play scenario or a performance scenario. Um, so what we try and do with that, and what's what's kind, of, it's it's a very unique problem, and we could get very into the weeds with this, but what good technique or a good movement is. Um, you know, any of us who have watched sports know that even at the highest levels, there's a lot of variation um, in terms of how an athlete can accomplish something successfully. So we have to have clear outcome measures related to what that skill is. So, um, for example, for, for volleyball, it might be the height that they reach and their hand speed before they hit the ball, things like that. Of course, you know, with basketball, if we're looking at free throws, is it make or miss and where did they miss it and those sorts of things can we have some different uh, metrics on the ball because that's the effect of the movement and then we want to look at yeah maybe some comparisons to athletes who have done this successfully and see okay where are some of the where are some of the differences between these and what are we seeing in those those outcome measures right so we have to have an outcome so that we can go back and say uh, maybe determine cause and effect uh, because so many athletes can move differently and accomplish a successful movement skill in a different way. Um, so it's a fun process and it's always a discussion, right? Uh -huh. And um, then based on some of those movements, we can say, okay, maybe these are some of the, the coach might say these are some of the coaching cues that i could use in practice um, that could maybe help this area and maybe the strength and conditioning staff can say you know what that could be partly based on some strength deficiencies that this athlete has in in this muscle group so let's work on this or the athletic trainer saying you know what like sh this athlete is limited in their range of motion here that could be potentially leading to this technique so while we could we could kind of diagnose what's going on. We we still work with all the that staff to say, what do you think? Right. You know, and why do we think we might be seeing this? It's why Coach Cook. It's why a bunch of coaches have said it's a team thing. I mean, yeah. you guys can't do your job without them, and and they want a support staff around them that help them help their athletes achieve their highest level, right? I right. mean, at the, at the simplest form, it's, it takes a team to, to make this all thing, everything work. Yeah, exactly. And, th and that's where, that's where, again, you know, the applied setting is different from the research setting in that once we collect the data, it, it's not just publishing the results and moving on. It's the data leads to a conversation. And then that conversation together with the performance team leads to a decision in terms of direction that we want to go. So I guess kind of at its core what we're doing is collecting data surrounding a problem to provide information that can hopefully improve our decision making um, related to that problem along the way to better prepare the athlete. Just got a couple more for you. On that note, when that does, when that problem is solved, and you see things kind of come to fruition and the athletes are rewarded for it. At the, at the core of it, that's what we're all in it for, right? So how rewarding is that for you guys when it does, when the light bulb does go off for an athlete like that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's fun. Um, I think 
you know, today's athletes more and more are very connected to technology. I think we'd all agree. And so it's fun to, to, to also teach the athletes about why we're doing what we're doing um, and, and have them kind of come around the computer when we're doing different force plate assessments and watch those things. I mean, like you mentioned with men's basketball, um, when they were doing some of those assessments, it was the athletes are taking some shots and then they're coming over to look at the computer and looking at that feedback of, oh, yeah, I am doing that. And it kind of clicks when they see themselves doing that. Um, and they can take that, kind of internalize that, and, and, and you know, hopefully um, improve their skill based on that. So that's, I mean, yeah, that's definitely the most rewarding part of the process. Just overall being a part of, you know, the athletics department, and, you know, you'd said the sports science are different things, but just... Um, being a part of this team, and we've seen how um, you know the football staff, how involved they've been. I know they've been, they've been up there and, and seen you guys a, a lot too. But just overall, being a part of this for you guys, how much do you enjoy that, the college part of it, and being a part of different sports and different teams, and how it is, it involves everybody kind of here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I love the college setting. Really, I've worked in several different settings, but I like it from a sports science standpoint. We, we get to help the athletes all year round and throughout their college career. And so you really get to see that development, but also, you know, when you com compare or contrast this to maybe the professional setting, oftentimes your, your main contact with the athlete is during the in-season period. And while we can monitor how athletes are responding to whatever it is, the workload that they're being subjected to in games and how they're recovering from that, uh, so there is application. It's still fun to really just see the development of athletes and have that time throughout the off season, and again work with each of the groups. So I think it's I think it's a really unique setting, and it's it's a fun setting for the application of of sports science. Anything a mister that fans should know about or listeners should know about this that I have totally spaced on or that I wouldn't have thought to ask. I don't I don't know. I think we I think we covered it pretty well uh -huh. um you know i hope that people don't think that we're espn sports science <laughs> you know uh, again we're trying to improve performance rather than just add this kind of other flashy layer um for recruiting purposes we're we're here dedicated to improve performance and we're always talking about trying to move the needle so and it's not just uh, an overall blanket assessment that you do it is tailored to different sports, different athletes, different needs right. of individual athletes and, and coaches and, and programs here at Nebraska. Yeah, absolutely. Sports science, how, the, how that looks can be completely different depending on not only the team and the sport, but also just that specific staff's needs, uh, what complements what they're doing, really. All right, and we're going to dive into that with Nebraska Volleyball. What does this NAPL lab do for them coming up next with head coach John Cook? Matt Tomey, appreciate your time. Thanks so much. It was a fascinating conversation. Thank you. Glad to be on and um, talk about some of these things. Late night studying, intense practice, cramming for that big test. Take a moment to reset yourself with dairy. Dairy foods like milk and yogurt allow you to stay in the game with immunity-boosting nutrients like vitamin A, vitamin D, zinc, and protein to keep you fueled without the crash. Trusted by athletes and supported by science. Now we continue our conversation on NAPL with Nebraska head volleyball coach John Cook. Okay, well, Coach Cook, 
Talk to me about NAPL and how when it first was implemented and why you felt it was important for your program to get involved with NAPL. Well, that was the brainchild of Coach Osborne when we redid the stadium. I might be one of the only coaches now that remembers that. So, uh, but we redid that stadium, and he put that in there, and it was an MRI machine. But they put, they wanted to put in, and you know, start studying sports science, and so a couple of great things came out of it. First of all, um, the study of sleep, and we found out athletes don't sleep. Um, and what was leading up to that for us, we did several studies, like vitamin D studies, to our, uh, and iron studies with our our group. And so for us, it was just a natural fit because we're always trying to find an edge. So sleep was a big deal. And then they have all, put on all these high-speed cameras so we could look at arm swings. And because arm swings are very, very important for volleyball. Mm -hmm. And is there something we can do to prevent players maybe from injuring their shoulders or getting tendonitis and things like that? So we started using it for that. We used it for the sleep study. And then... Um, uh, of course, during COVID, we were all getting tested up there. But the other big thing that came out of this is, is that we use it for recruiting. Mm -hmm. And we can take recruits up there and show them this, and it just blows them away because they've never seen anything like it, and show them the, the things that we have access to and, and how we use it. And, you know, it's not something that we just go and film their arm swing, for example. It comes out, we get full reports, we have meetings with them, they go through us, they explain to all the athletes. And what's really, really cool for me is we can compare Michaela Fecky to Maddie Kubik to, you know, Lindsey Krause. Mm. So they've got this data going back on, we can look at our best players and see what, where are we lacking or where are we doing well with the players we're recruiting and, and then how can we try to get them to match up with our best players. Wow. Uh, why is it important for you to, to utilize, you utilize literally everything that's available here, and you have a performance team. Why has that been so important for you and your program? Well, I think it was in 2000, and um, I was hearing a lot about we hadn't been to a Final Four in like four or five, six years. And I'm like, okay, we got we to gotta change it up here. We got to do something and, and try to get ahead. Uh, or find an edge and so I decided I think it was in 2013 and we I think had eight new players come in that year transfers slash freshmen so I mean we literally turned over our whole team and I'm like okay we got to get everybody on the same page and so I ran into um, a Navy SEAL commander Jack Riggins who does radio now uh, Dr. Whitman who was working with football and uh, we finally got our strength coach and we uh, uh, finally got a nutritionist and so I said and and we got to get everybody in the same room and our athletes have got to meet with these guys so they all know what we're doing and how we're trying to help them and really start making that and you know important because one of the things I, I do I love to do is when the NFL guys come back or our pro players come back Jordan Larson or Kelsey Robinson come back I always ask them if you could do anything different in your four years here what would you do different mm. And 99% of the time, they'll all say, I wish I would have paid more attention to nutrition, and I wish I would have done yoga, stretched out, prehab, rehab, and, you know, post-practice things to take care of my body. Because once you go pro, you've got to do that stuff, uh -huh. or you're not going to lie. You're going to get cut. And so, that's, so we said, okay, can we get our freshmen to start thinking that way, you know, high-level performers in this performance team, to help them and 
it's, our performance team's changed over the years with, with personnel, but we're still trying to do the same things and get everybody on the same page. And again, it's uh, sending a message to these athletes and their families, like, we're, we're coaching the whole athlete. We're not, we just don't care if you can go out and get 30 kills a night, you know, or set the volleyball. We're trying to develop you as a complete athlete. And sports psych, too. I mean, I was told you were the, one of the first coaches to really embrace the, the mental health part of it, too. But uh, for the sake of NAPL, do you like the science part of it? You get kind of nerded out on that kind of stuff? Love it. And yeah? I, I mean, I was, I was grabbing my hands when I first started coaching on every scientific study for volleyball that came out. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, uh, when I first started coaching, is volleyball an anaerobic or an aerobic sport? You know, and nobody could really answer that. So the people started doing studies because we were trying to figure out, and I, I was so lucky when I got here, Boyd Epley was our strength coach, and football was, and again, this is in 2000, 99, 2000, and um, football was, you know, getting it down to, here's the average length of a play. So we're going to train this system, you know, seven, eight seconds, and then a break, and then seven, eight seconds. We've got to train power. Uh, but some guys run more. So they were really looking at all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, how do we do this for volleyball? And we started studying that. We did studies on volleyball. How long is the average rally? And it's, it's very comparable to football. It's kind of a start, stop, start, stop. But you've got to train power. But you also, in volleyball and football, you've got to go three, four hours. So is it aerobic? Is it anaerobic? <laughs> it's a really a combination of both. So you have to train those both, both those systems. And... You know, when I first started coaching, it was like, okay, we're going to run a mile today. Well, running a mile does not help you for volleyball, just mm -hmm. like it doesn't help you for football. But that's kind of the old school right. way of doing things. And so we became, so I really got into it and, and really uh, was very interested in how we were training. You know, and that was another thing that I'm rambling here a little bit, but, you know, the, the model was all the strength coaches were ex-football guys. So... Do we want to train volleyball players like football guys? Well, no, we're not. We don't need to squat 500 pounds. Um, so we worked, looked, looked at that and adjusted how we were training our athletes. And I think, I think we do it as well as anybody in the country. Well, I think just uh, the NAPL and, and Coach Hoiberg had talked about how there's a lot of NBA teams that don't have an NAPL lab like this. Just how, again, it sets Nebraska apart that trying to do whatever they can to provide the best possible opportunity for the student athlete to grow overall not just what they're doing with their individual sport how important is that well I, I think anything can give us an edge you know and it comes mm -hmm. down to one or two points come for Fred it comes down to the hit of three at the end or not uh, you know it's it's such a fine line between winning and losing so if we can find a point up there or two it's worth it and I also think uh, it it again it, it's, it creates a culture and a mindset of we're trying to be elite here and, you know, Trev's talking a ton about that now. Can we be elite in everything that we're doing? And, and I think we're working on that. I mean, you look at the facilities we have, you know, the, the uh, nutrition, new training table going in and all those new weight rooms and all these things, we're trying to be the best and, and be at the top. And it's, uh, it's a competitive world out there, so every edge we can get, we got to take advantage of. Great stuff right there from Coach Cook. Thanks so much to him and to Matt Tomey for joining us. This has been the Husker Performance Podcast presented by Midwest Dairy and your local farm families. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Jessica Cootie with the Huskers Radio Network.